0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm
1: Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Lightning Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast.
2: Well, it's day one of the French Open 2021. The sun is shining, at least in the UK. Apologies if you're somewhere in the world where the sun is not shining. But here it very much is. It's been shining in Paris as well today. David, Matt and myself, were all feeling the joys of spring slash summer. Matt's wearing a sort of Parisian-y shirt, T-shirt. Been a lot of interest, Matt, from followers of our Instagram account in where that shirt is from
1: mm It's my French Open shirt. I think it was the Nike line that was supposed to be out in the spring last year, and it never saw the light of day. And I bought one for myself, and it is a, it's a top sort of French-themed, French Open-themed. It's got croissant and tennis courts on it, French flags in Nike swoosh shape.
2: Yes. It. It's a treat. If Nike would like to sponsor us, that would <laughs> that would be fine. David, how are you in doing? in touch yet? No, <laughs> no. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm fine. They've not been in touch, but you know they've they've not seen Matt modeling modeling their stuff before now that's a point
3: yeah and today's a bit as you say it's bank holiday so they wouldn't be in touch today would they so (laughs) in a couple of days time having digested what matt's wearing Mm. i'm expecting a call fantastic
2: anyway clang head to our instagram account for excellent hashtag content including Mm. your daily updates on what matt roberts is wearing (laughs) um it's been a proper day of grand slam tennis hasn't it a proper proper day um officially Day one uh, didn't feature the much-talked-about brand-new night sessions at Roland Garros, but here we are at 8.15 UK time, 9.15 French time, uh, watching Tsitsipas midway through the first set against Jeremy Shardy. So in the French Open doesn't have a night session today news, the French Open very much seems to be experiencing a <laughs> night session. Um, it's three all. In fact, Sitsa pass did have a break in this opening set, but... Shardy, friend of the pod, or certainly friend of friend of David Whitaker, um, is fighting back. So we'll we'll keep you posted on that soon to be out of date tennis news. Uh, we've got in date tennis news. There's been a lot of it today on day one of the French Open. There've been very big, notable results tennis wise. There's also been kind of big news or big happenings, big rumblings away from the court. The day started on Philippe Chaturier uh, at 11am with Naomi Osaka, the world number two, thrown out onto court first up against Patricia Maria Thiege, uh, one of the favourite players of Dan Evans. Uh, fun fact about Thiege, more, more on Evans later, um, not one of his best days, not least because... Uh, his gal Thiegh lost in straight sets six four seven six ten a o miroslav. A decent performance from her, um, just greater weight of shot um, than Patricia Mirothiegh. I actually, I was really struck by how much of an impact her weight of shot was happen having on the clay. You know, she can make those shots stick. She can make her. Power count on the clay it 's just the movement that's a problem she gets stuck in the mud and when she gets out of position it can all go horribly wrong but but the but the shots work on clay that's what that's what struck me about that performance today
1: yeah it was a better performance from Osaka than I was expecting probably i I, I loved her intent right at the start to as you say try and hit through the court and there was a very long Second game of the match where she had multiple break points, and I thought this is very important for Osaka. She needs to win these little battles just to build up her confidence, sort of chunk by chunk. I think on the clay, and she did win that game. She won the first set, second set went to a tie break. It was a close match. Thieg, as you said, good player on clay, titleist on clay in the past, caused a lot of problems, especially with that slice. But yeah. I thought Osaka was was pretty good. I think she hit 39 winners overall in the match. And, yeah, it was a demonstration that when her game is working, it can still work on clay. It's just about, as you said, the movement and being able to find it consistently enough, I think.
2: Mm. So she went through in a second set tie break. David, I'd like you to sort of try and describe the demeanour of Fabrice Santoro during his loitering with intent at the side of the court uh, experience before sort of going in for the approach to Osaka about whether or not she'll do the on-court post-match interview because nobody knew if that was going to happen, whether that Mm. comes under the umbrella of of press, of media, which she said she wasn't going to partake in. It's a tricky assignment for Santoro, I would say.
3: Tricky assignment for me trying to describe it. (laughs) Uh, However, um, I I can relate to how Fabrice Santoro is feeling in that moment. You and I, Catherine, have both been in positions Mm. where we've stood courtside, being the person who needs to approach a player either to organise an interview or to do an interview. And sometimes it can be very difficult depending on what's going on. I must say I've never been in a position quite like he was in today where where this has become an international sporting incident that she is or isn't going to speak publicly and uh, yeah he 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 shuffled over looking like somebody who's about to meet the parent of somebody they're going out with for the first time which was accentuated and,
2: by the fact that he was carrying flowers
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, flowers for the mother of the person you are very much hoping is going to. Inexplicably, for Bri gets
2: sort of thrown into the fray with a with a with a basket full of flowers for Naomi Osaka's mother. It was yes, yeah, highly bizarre. It it was Mother's Day in France today. Apparently. I
1: always get a, a brief moment of panic when it's Mother's Day in another country. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, I forgot on Mother's Day.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, there's another one in America, and we've got a different Mm. one. So there's at least three, and there's probably many, many more. Mm. Uh, But anyway, he he managed to get, you know, get the words out. And sure enough, she did the on court interview, which uh, was itself a pretty awkward affair. Well, I mean,
2: I I genuinely don't know what was said because they hadn't sorted out the. they they hadn't sorted out the audio for broadcast. It obviously worked within the stadium; you could hear that it was going out in Chatteray, but it was it was all echoey and yeah, completely inaudible for me. So um,
3: I, I will never know what around. the
2: few words that we did get from Naomi Osaka. I'll never know what they were.
3: Yeah, well, I I heard them. I think I I think it kind of depended which channel you were on, which feed you were getting, because it started off as you say very echoey, and eventually I started to, it started to feed through the actual broadcast sound. And um, yeah, it was awkward. I mean, look, sometimes Naomi Osaka interviews can be awkward, because she will not necessarily answer a, a question in a typical way. And sometimes it leads to absolute gold. And other times it leads to awkwardness. This one was more of the latter. And I think it's probably accentuated by the fact that we have this standoff this or this statement from her about what she's not going to do and nobody completely knew where they they stood. So, yeah, it was three questions, three pretty cursory answers and off she went.
0: Off
2: she went. And then not long afterwards, uh, we receive a statement. I first saw it reported by Stuart Fraser of The Times reporting that she was fined $15,000 for refusing to do a post-match press conference And there was a statement released on behalf of all the Grand Slams reporting that the Roland Garros teams asked her to reconsider her position after the match and tried unsuccessfully to speak with her to check on her well-being. Further in the statement, it said, we have advised Naomi Osaka that should she continue to ignore her media obligations during the tournament, she would be exposing herself to possible further code of conduct infringement consequences. As might be expected, repeat violations attract tougher sanctions, including default from the tournament, and it references the the code of conduct conduct article um, in play there, and the trigger of a major offence investigation that could lead to more substantial fines and future Grand Slam suspensions. We want to underline that rules are in place to ensure all players are treated exactly the same, no matter their stature, beliefs or achievement. As a sport, there is nothing more important than ensuring no no player has an advantage over another, which unfortunately is the case in this situation if one player refuses to dedicate time to participate in media commitments, while the others all honour Their commitments. Finally, all Grand Slams remain committed to continually reviewing and discussing opportunities together with the tours and the players to improve every aspect of the player experience, including with the media. But we consider this is only ever achieved through respectful and constructive discussions. So, if some of the responses to Naomi Osaka have been sensitive, albeit perhaps condemning, condemning the ultimate action, but sensitive to her state of mind and her well-being and disposition, while this statement nods to, you know, sensitivity for her state of mind, that's a threat in there, isn't it? That is a threat of default from the tournament. That is a threat of some very hefty sanctions, and it's a significant escalation of what's... Developing into a bit of a cold war. What, what do we think of that statement?
3: It's basically an ultimatum. Mm. Um, and I I actually... I, I was quite taken aback by it, by it. I wasn't expecting something like that. I wasn't expecting a coordinated approach from all four major tournaments. Well, it, it, I, because I thought, it takes a lot to get one of those. Yeah, it does, and... That felt like right we 're stamping down on this straight away we 're sending a message to every other player, and not only that you mustn't follow in her footsteps, but also that we are aware that what I was discussing last night there is a f- fairness issue to a player not doing what everybody else is doing and having the financial resources to just be able to do that, whereas some players wouldn't and whilst i i mean i feel felt that last night and and immediately after. Uh, she posted the statement that that was an element to the story, but I was still shocked by this. This wasn't what I would have anticipated, and my my immediate reaction to it was to feel a little bit more like you were both feeling when we were talking about it last night, which is just what a shame it all is. And whereas, it, 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 in a way, I I feel a bit uncomfortable with it. I feel like it's it's a bit it's a bit too much really mm. is was my instinctive reaction i i get it i really do get where they're coming from but i i slightly just oh no really are we mm. are we going there already um was my immediate feeling on it and i don't like this where it's going at all i mean i still feel that she mm, made a very bad misjudgment and it with this which is but at the same time i i I think, come on, everybody, we just need to now now, maybe this is the line in the sand now let 's calm down and let's defuse this, and let's sort it out because i I am wary that she might decide to say well okay i'm I'm not going to be pushed around, and i I mean, where do we go from next? Does she pull out the tournament? Does she go on strike? I think these are. There are possibilities. I have absolutely no knowledge at all. I don't know her. I don't know how, how she feels about it, but she's, when she believes in something, we've seen that she's prepared to stand her ground on things. Even though I think actually on this one, uh, I think she should have taken a different course of action initially. I just hope we don't have that. I hope we can pull back from where we are.
2: Mm. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I don't have much to add to that. Really? It, it, it made me uncomfortable and it it felt like a very you know, I, I think Hannah on Twitter used that well well that escalated quickly, GIF. It it did feel like it felt like okay, maybe not naught to a hundred, but you know, somewhere close to naught to to somewhere close to a hundred, all in the space of about, about half an hour and I while I understand where the Grand Slams are coming from um, you know, I think we expressed all of that yesterday. I ca- I just can't help but feel how how much of a lonely place Naomi Osaka must must be in at the moment. It must be very tough to be her. And yes, she she is inadvertently invited some of that. I, I I think, but I I still feel for her. And this is the the extent of of this cold war feels unnecessary to me.
1: Yeah. I agree. It it felt felt surprising. I mean, I I think the wording of the code of conduct is quite vague in this instance. I don't think anyone expected that skipping each press conference would count as repeat violations. So I'm not sh- an escalation, an escalation. I'm not so, I'm not sure anyone saw this coming in that way. But yeah, it just feels quite heavy-handed, disproportionate response perhaps. Um you know, when you consider many of the things that have happened in tennis, you know, offences which haven't led to a very coordinated, very swift joint statement from all the Grand Slams. This seems a bit odd that they've chosen this one to go with that co- kind of coordinated. I don't want to say attack on Osaka, but I I, I like your word threat. It, di- it did feel like that. Um yeah, it, it doesn't feel like this is the way to go. I think I'm I'm pleased that they've said that they tried to speak with Osaka, but it's, I think it sounds like they've given up quite quickly with that. I think mm. th- there's an opportunity here for important dialogue to take place before we arrive at any of these bigger threats.
3: It's clearly wound, wound them up, hasn't it, by the mm. way, Catherine? That, the, yes. There's an element of that. Hold on, we... we We've tried to get in touch with you and you've just you've yes. not got back in touch with us. Right then. Mm. That's that.
2: Yeah, it, it, it does feel like that. I mean, the irony of all of it is when I saw that statement, my initial reaction was well I'd love to hear what Naomi Osaka thinks about that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm sure she'd have a really intelligent considered response to it. Um Yeah, I'm just <laughs> it's just such a shame that yeah, we're not we're not getting to hear what she she thinks about it, but that's that. <laughs> We are where we are. Um, we've <laughs> we've had fairly predictably. Uh, Alexander Zverev prior to his match against uh, w- what is what is Otter's first name? I'm so distracted Oscar. by the Oscar Otter. So distracted mm-hmm. by the fact that he's named after one of my favourite animals <laughs> uh, that I um, neglected name, his first name. Uh, a match where he went two sets of love down, incidentally, but fought back and won. A very bizarre five set match because. Even at two sets to love down, it never quite felt like he was going to lose. And the second he went to break up, in the third, it, it all it all went Zverev's way incredibly quickly. But anyway, as reported by Luca Jacobs on Twitter, uh, Louise Engzel told Zverev uh, at the coin toss that he's late again for the coin toss, and he, he replied with, "You know how Naomi said you can find her for every single match; she's not at the press conference. You can find me for every single match being late." So, in predictable developments, news that is a thing that has happened. Uh, But anyway, Zverev safely through to the second round of the French Open. Not something that can be said of number four seed Dominic Team. He followed Naomi Osaka onto the Philippe Chatrier court. He was taking on the world number sixty eight, Pablo Andujar of pooping on the Roger Federer comeback party in Geneva fame a couple of weeks ago. And he lost from two sets up, did Dominic team? He lost 4-6, 5-7, 6-3, 6-4, 6-4 in well over four hours. Um, I think it's Andujar's first ever victory over a top five player. Um, Matt had a bit of a chat to him after his win, very well-deserved win, and we'll we'll come on to Andujar plenty uh, in a moment, but this means not only the Dominic Team's horror show continues, but there's now no Grand Slam champions in the bottom half of the men's draw, which uh, is an extraordinary thing.
1: And and a new Roland Garros finalist guaranteed. Wow, that's only yeah. day one. <laughs> 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 I don't. I mean,
2: yeah. They, 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 look, I, I know we we talked about the. Trials and tribulations of Dominic' team of late, but even so, this is this is a massive, massive day one shock.
1: Mm. I don't know about you, but I think the strangest thing for me was, you know, this match was going on for four and a half Ever. hours. It was going on; it was just always on. <laughs> and and for for a large portion of it, I wasn't giving it my fullest attention, which seems a strange thing to say considering it was. Team, who's a two-time Roland Garros finalist, a current Grand Slam champion, he was on the ropes for a lot of this match, and yet, yes, it is a big shock for sure, but it didn't have that shocking element or factor to it that made me hang on absolutely every single point and see if Team could fight back into it. And I think that is indicative of where Dominic Team is at at the moment. Uh, it, he never felt like a huge contender to win this tournament because of where his form has been. Um, and just trying to put my finger on what is going on with team at the moment. He sounds as much at a loss as I think anyone, to be honest, he, he, he doesn't have an answer. He, he still feels like he's processing becoming a Grand Slam champion, but that happened quite a while ago now. It, it feels like he's fit at least, so he's able to... He should be able to play his tennis. But he said he said it perfectly. He's summing up what's wrong with his game, but he can't figure out why. And he said, my shots don't have the power on them. And that is something I've observed. I mean, Dominic Team at his best is an enthralling tennis player because he can dominate a court and generate so much power on his shots, push people around... Even in those first two sets today when he was he was playing respectably, I didn't feel that weight that power that team has and he said, "I've lost a few percent. It just feels like that has happened
2: and and, and when you when you play as deep as Dominic team does, those few mm. percent that power that accuracy it takes you from you know thunderous shudder inducing ground strokes to Ground strokes that actually sit up pretty nicely into the hitting zone for the opponent.
1: It reminds me a little bit of Nadal in those couple of years where he didn't reach a Grand Slam semi-final, 2015 and 2016, I think, where suddenly, as you say, penetrating shots become shots that are almost sort of begging to be hit a little bit. Um, I mean, even so, he was in a position to win the match and he had this strange intensity drop. Mm. At the end of the third set, start of the fourth set, and that let Anduhar back in, and he took full advantage. And e- even in the fifth set, there was a little spark. I think Team hit a shot sort of behind his back to get the to get the deciding set back on serve. And I thought, okay, right here we go. He's clipped back into gear, and yet he was ne- never able to capitalize on those moments. It's it's very very strange. I mean, I'm mm. still. I'm still holding my stock on Dominic Team long term. I, I, I think I have to, but it is fascinating.
2: I do wonder if he needs like a, a, a radical change. I I, I love Nicholas Massou as a coach, and it has obviously really worked. It's nothing to do with his skills at a co- as a coach, and maybe you you keep him on board. But I feel like he maybe just needs someone to come in and shake it, feels quite it up.
3: Early for that to me, yeah. I mean, I know yeah? what you mean because. I, I, I would have said if 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 you'd anybody had told me a player would have a dip like this after a grand slam victory I would have thought he would have been the last mm. player for it to happen to I kind of get it from a perspective of finally you've climbed the mountain after all these years of trying and then and then what I get I do get it I just wouldn't have expected it to happen to him I thought he's so relentless that he just that it would be that it would be the turbo boost he needs to go on and just Break into the the group at the top of uh, the all time group because I
2: suppose he seems quite a single minded kind of guy, doesn't he? He's you know he he he's open about that himself. You know he doesn't get easily distracted. He's you know tennis, Chelsea, um, you know the, these are the things penguins. he enjoys in life. But it's mm-hmm. tennis, Chelsea, dogs, penguins? You know he's not he's not Stefano going around you know photographing bins in back alleys of New York and putting them <laughs> on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Like
3: <laughs> had is just safe set point <laughs> a moment ago against Jeremy Shardy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, after the loss, this is what team had to say: "I was struggling with my motivation. The game is just not there today. The shots are not powerful enough, not accurate enough." Not moving well enough. I don't really know why why. it's not the real me or the version that can play for big titles. Pablo Andujar, though, goodness me, 35 years of age, beaten a top five player for the first time and dazzled us all with his linguistics. What a man, Matt.
1: I've had one of those moments with Andujar today where... You know when someone's been in your consciousness for so long and you've thought of them a certain way and I've suddenly realized he's not what I thought he was at all. I had I had unfairly pigeonholed him as a certainly very respectable tennis player with an impressive career but not someone who is particularly interesting beyond that. Other, you know, obviously he's overcome a lot of injuries, that's all very interesting but just I didn't know he had so much to him. And I know, David, you did, because you said you've spoken to him a few times and found him really charming and nice. And that was... Yeah, David
2: tipped us off to go to his press conference.
1: That was the exact experience I had. And I I just asked him about those language skills. And yeah, it turns out he speaks five languages. He was doing press in all five languages.
2: One of those languages I didn't know existed before today.
1: (laughs) Valencian. What was it?
2: Is that like sort of Cornish? (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's 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 like Catalan it's just their dialect of Catalan um but yeah he 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 was really great and funny in all of those languages he spoke in French on the court and he said that this was like like a gift that tennis had given him and it was like Father Christmas had come along in these last two weeks given that he's beaten Federer and and team and he credited that federal win with giving him so much confidence and he said he's been through so many injuries he, he he didn't win a match on the ATP tour for 25 months at one point his his ranking Sheesh. fell about to 1800 or something and he said now he just enjoys every event he gets to play because as you said he's in his mid 30s and he didn't think he would be having this I don't know if it's a second wind or a third wind, whatever it is. He didn't think he would be having these moments in his career, and maybe they're not the you know he might not see what he's done in the last couple of weeks as the pinnacle of his career because he's he's won a lot of matches, a lot of tournaments, but it's certainly the period he's enjoying the most in his career. And I just thought that was I just thought that was lovely.
2: Mm, very uplifting story, Pablo Andujar, for everybody but Dominic Team and his
0: fans.
3: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
2: Staying with Châtrier, um, who were sort of very behind schedule by this point, uh, hence why we're currently watching Sitsipas and Shardy in a first set tie break at 9.41 local time. The next match on uh, chatray before this Sitsipas match was two two-time Grand Slam champions. Svetlana Kuznetsova, of course, the former French Open champion, and Victoria Azarenka, two-time Australian Open champion. I watched... I dipped in and out of this match. Three-set win for Azarenka in the end... David, I think, watched all of it intently and loved it. Tell us about it, David. Oh,
3: yeah. Well, I mean, initially I watched it because I had picked Kuznetsova to beat Azarenka in the newsletter predictions. We try to go with, in inverted commas, an upset victory for I'm, I'm trying to make excuses here for the <laughs> right, fact David. that we got zero out of three right today um, between us. But
2: I think if um, I think if there is a, a wooden spoon, David, it goes to Matt today. If that makes you feel any better, <laughs> his guy barely got games. Where <laughs> <laughs> did
3: you go from Matt?
1: I went for Yeri Vesely to beat Karen Hachianov. I have Hakshinov on upset watch, sort of every day. Mm. And I was I was last to make my pick. There's my excuse. All the other ones have been taken. Went for that one and it was horrific.
2: One of the most oh, one-sided dear. matches of the day. Anyway, as, oh, okay. as you were, David. <laughs>
3: well, this wasn't, and uh, the, I mean, it was it was all over the place score-wise. Azarenka. I mean, the, the the first set, I think six of the first seven games were breaks of serve, and Azarenka won the set six four. Then next thing I know, I, I went out to to look after the kids for a bit. Came back in and it was five love to Kuznetsova in the second set. Um, so I'm getting very excited by this point. And then I watched the whole of the third set. And um, Azarenka was leading 5-1. It went, uh, she got a break, break back, did Kuznetsova. But the rallies were just epic. I mean, the effort, these two women who are multi, multi-millionaires, they've both been right at the top of the game. they both won Grand Slam titles, you know. They don't need to be doing this, and there they are, just duking it out, loving the competition and and the the sheer rallies that the, because they can still play at such a high level. I think with Kuznetsova, I mean, I think she's almost got the perfect game for a clay court. She won this title what twelve years ago, but if you watch her forehand, it is just it's a bit, it's a little bit like watching Barty's forehand, just lashings of topspin, the balls just leaping off the surface when it lands, and she's strong and fit but i think i do think that when players get to the age she's at now and the amount of play she's had i think the concentration sort of goes in and out a bit more i don't think the laser focus for an entire match is there and i think that that's what you saw when she won that second set there was a there was a dip um and azarenka took advantage it was just a brilliant match and who knows whether it gets easier or not, but she's certainly up against a prodigious town next in everybody's favorite Clara towson
2: is she everybody's favorite well
3: everybody she's everybody's sort of cool pick yes that you know she's going to be the next I
2: think it was thing, French she. Open last year, which of course was a lot less than a year ago when we all first really had a sort of communal Clara Towson watching experience. And uh, she beat yes. Jennifer Brady, wasn't it? She, I just put in the agenda, Towson is happening. Uh, she won in straight <laughs> sets today. And Towson against Azarenka is something I'm very much here for. Let's stay with the other results uh, in the women's side of the draw today. A win for Petra Kvitová. three sets for her um, over Greet Minnan. Don't you think she quite saved match points? Mm, she, did, yeah. she did. She did, Oh,
1: So that's... Definitely one to watch. I was, always circle a player who yes. saved match points uh, in in a match. And, yeah, she had a backhand cross-court winner to save it. And then she was asked about it in her on-court interview and she interrupted the question and said, yes, yes, I, I remember it. It's, <laughs> um, it's been my daily bread since I was a kid, the backhand cross-court. What an amazing <laughs> turn of phrase. Give
2: us this day our... Backhand cross-court winner. Exactly. <laughs> uh, other results on the women's side of the draw. Paola Bedosa beat Lauren Davis in straight set. She's another one that you spoke to, I think, Matt.
1: Yeah, I just find it very interesting because she got into this draw as a seed. She got bumped up, so she seeded at the slam for the first time. And it's the first time I've gone into a slam expecting things from her that's probably generally true about most people people are talking about Badosa in a way they haven't talked about her before because of the good results she's had on clay so far this season and i just wondered whether just how aware she is of those outside expectations and is she putting more expectations on herself and she, and she made an interesting point actually she said that all pro players are used to having expectations because at some point they've all been at the top you know for example when they're coming through as a junior to make it as a pro chances are you stood out as a junior so she said i've tried to really sort of channel that energy that i used to have to expect more of myself and now my expectations haven't changed but i've got proof that i can deliver on it before it was a bit of a a bit of a fantasy what i hoped to achieve but now i've won a title i've reached the semi-final of madrid so I know I can do it. And, you know, she's in the Osaka section of the draw. And I think, you know, Osaka looked pretty good today. So I think that's that, that's looming as a potential third or fourth round match, which would be very, very interesting, I think.
2: Mm. Danka Kovanich next for Bedosa. Um, incidentally, the next opponent for Petra Kvitova is Elena Vesnina. What a story wow, she this... is.
3: I haven't heard her name no. in a, a grand slam draw my, for. A Indian while.
2: Wells champion of course. Yeah. And um multiple grand slam doubles champion I think. Um yeah, I think this is her fir- is it her first match win or her first grand slam match win since her since her comeback from uh from having a a, a baby and I, I I mean I thought she'd retired. I I I don't know whether this comeback was always planned whether it was always going to be just a break from the sport but yeah, certainly been surprised to see her name in, in draws and an incredible uh, incredible win for her today. Sabalenka was a winner in two sets over Konyu.
3: I saw a bit of that, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, just out of sheer curiosity. Was it, was it because, Madrid form? Well, no. I mean, she started quite slowly. I think she was 4-2 down, Sabalenka, in the first set. And Konyu is a similarly powerful mm-hmm. hitter. But and, and actually, a lot of the time, I will kind of circle a match like that and think, just imagine those two <laughs> hitting b- big shots at each other. But it, invariably, what happens is it, it just ends up being an unforced error fest because how can you control an opponent's pace like that and send it back with interest? I mean, occasionally, you might get the odd one-off where they're both teeing off at the same time, but it's rare that they're both able to do it at the same time. And then from four two down, Sabalenka just took over, and I think Konyu, she she lost her way completely.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, tough uh, tough time for Konyu. I, I hope that um, that she can, you know, find that sparkle that she's she's shown us at, at points in the past because she can be a, a breathtaking player on her day. Uh, Danielle Collins was a winner today over Wang Zhiyu in three sets. If you haven't had the chance to read Simon Briggs' piece um about Danielle Collins and the endometriosis that she she battles with on a daily basis and what she's revealed that she's been suffering with over, over the past year or two years it, it's an extraordinary piece and Danielle Collins is an extraordinary athlete and competitor and and she was a winner today and is is one to watch of course at at this tournament she was a semi-finalist last year
3: um, yeah so can I give you a bit of Simon Briggs news yeah
2: yes please um,
3: always because I mean you can imagine I, I think just on this day generally this is the most exciting and eventful Sunday start that we've ever had at Roland Garros would you agree mm. I would I mean, Yes. it just it feels like just things have just big. it felt I think for a start they the way they did the order of play just made it something better than it typically has been in the in the past but then the way the matches have gone and and obviously this this huge news story over Osaka it just makes it a very meaty thing now for a guy like Simon who's covering the event for a newspaper and, and the Telegraph website there's there's a lot to get stuck into and uh anyway we were exchanging messages a little bit earlier today and he said to me this was at 10 minutes to 6 p.m he wrote I haven't got dressed yet <laughs> I'm still in my pajamas.
2: Get in there, son. <laughs> oh
3: and uh, he, he he also revealed his uh, camera on in he press was on press, today. press I was going to say, yeah,
2: I have seen his <laughs> face and upper body today.
3: And pajamas. Then. I was so
2: distracted by his hair, I I didn't clock the pajamas.
3: <laughs> perhaps that's and, his uh, trick. So uh, uh, he also revealed that he that he'd gone out last night. Uh, to an inverted commas restaurant. Uh, you read things on a list and then they bring them to you, he said. <laughs> anyway, that's Simon Briggs' news. And, uh, yeah, so he wrote the endometriosis story um, Does he mean uh, in, a menu? in relation to – Yes, he... he means a menu. It's a joke. Right, okay. Uh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, and uh, and Daniel Collins. And uh, and he's also written about Osaka and Dan Evans. Yeah, Simon's been really – working very hard yes. so we need to be so really make nice make it
2: all worthwhile for him and, and read his stuff. Uh last significant result I think on the women's side from today was that Angelique Kerber's hopes of a career grand slam have faded into into obscurity for another year. I think this is a third consecutive first round loss at the French Open for Angelique Kerber. She lost to Annalena Kalinina six two six um, four. 2 And yeah, uh, we've talked about it before. It's always baffled me that Kerber hasn't sort of thrown her entire being into mastering clay and trying to become a French Open champion. But I suppose that result as a one-off isn't a huge surprise, but generally Angelique Kerber at the French Open has always been, uh, certainly over the last few years, has, has been a bit of a surprise to me. But she's out.
1: One note on the magnificently named Annalena Kalanina is just to follow up on what you were saying yesterday, Catherine, about the importance of the Grand Slam Development Fund. Um, She's a player who has benefited from it a lot. She was given um, $25,000 last year by the ITF and, you know, particularly significant last year, of course, and I found an article written by Jamie Renton on the ITF website where she just talked about how much it helped. She said... It allowed me to prepare for tournaments. Um, even if the world stopped, I was able to put this money into my process to keep going, to keep training with a fitness trainer every day. A lot of months we were not earning money. We were not working. It was a difficult time for everyone. I didn't have to worry about, oh, my God, how am I going to pay my physical trainer? How am I going to pay for the court? And it helped sort of both practically and also emotionally not to have those worries as well. So, yeah, just a, just she's a very good example of the, of the good work that that Grand Slam Development Fund does and loads and loads of players have
3: benefited from it in the past. Mm,
2: that's great stuff, Matt. Really interesting.
3: Uh, her name, by the way, belongs in an ABBA chorus, in my opinion. Mm. Annalena, Kalanina, uh-huh. Uh, that's, <laughs> <all right.
2: laughs> Quite a few agenda points to get through and not much time and that's really... Sent me way off course. Um <laughs> Sorry about How that. can we get back on track? I've got... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm all at sea. Uh, Dan Evans lost today uh, to Mirmir Kecmanovic. He lost in four sets despite winning the first 6-1. It all looked to be very plain sailing for Dan Evans. He described the loss as a dire end to a decent clay court season. Uh, he said it's becoming a bit too common being breaks up in Grand Slam sets and not putting them away because he was a break up in the fourth set and looked like he was going to take it into a fifth but just really couldn't get it going against Ketsmanovic, Ketsmanovic I think it is today who who played a, a really, really good match but I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I think this is a, a terrible result for Dan Evans. I mean, he's had some rough draws in Grand Slams which he can put a lot of his... Unexpected early losses down to, but he'd have been expecting a win today. He's a Monte Carlo semi finalist, and yeah, this is a a balls up really for him. And and his demeanor in press afterwards indicated as much. I think he was yeah pretty peeved at himself.
1: I mean, it must be very frustrating. He is he's having the best period of his career and his worst Grand Slam results. Mm. You know, this is the first time I think he's ever lost three in a row um, in the first round at slams. Now, two of those have been the French Open, which traditionally has been his weakest surface. So, you know, perhaps a slightly misleading stat, but we love those. And I think the point stands, you know, he is he's struggling to find his best tennis in slams. And it's interesting. There seems to be no consensus in what the best approach is for Peaking at slams, you get a lot of players who say I'm treating it like every other tournament, and then you get someone like Dan Evans who really puts the pressure on himself. You know, I remember in Australia how how disappointed he was with his sort of trip overall to Australia, even though he won his first title. He was most focused on the fact that he went out in the first round of the Australian Open, and it's just interesting to me that he does put that pressure on himself, that expectation on himself. I just, I. I find it fascinating how you would change that mindset because I suppose you've got to try and kid yourself, but he doesn't strike me as that sort of person. It's, it's something he needs to overcome, I think, in mm. these slams.
2: He definitely sounded to me like he was going to do some serious thinking um, as a result of this one. So it would be interesting to see what sort of form he's in on the grass. Um, Nishikori K Nishikori has cemented his status if it ever needed doing as the best unnecessary five set player of all time
3: yeah both I mean he just about leads Alexander Zverev in terms of (laughs) getting into unnecessary five set matches um, but his ability to extricate himself and just tot up that particular statistic should that be of any value in, in the rest of his life uh, is is unparalleled um it's just that he empties his canister along the way and ends up hitting a brick wall of fatigue halfway through grand slams mm. doesn't he that's kind of since 2014 in his US open final that's what Kane Ishikori does
2: mm. yeah but anyway he won today in five sets what's his five set record now Matt
1: do you think I'm being harsh Matt no, I'm just, I'm just sad about, about <laughs> the <laughs> fact that that's the truth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at Matt Sage also. He really so.
1: did look, he
3: <gasps> looked crestfallen.
1: Really? I like um, Kane Ishikori. What, but, what, yeah. Hang
2: on, let's end on a, a Kane Ishikori positive. What's his grand slam, what's his five set record?
1: Well, I think this is the point. It's an incredible record, but is it a positive? It's uh, Just just read out the record seven? and <laughs> let it speak for itself and we'll move on. OK, 25 wins, 7 losses.
2: Great. Well, that's Great stuff, Kay. Well done, Kay. Yeah, looking at the positives for Kay Nishikori. um On the very much less positive front, a really gutting day today for Grigor Dimitrov. Um, who retired after having led two sets to love and 5-1 against Marcus Gironde. Um Yeah, really, really sad scenes for Dimitrov. I, I think it's the back injury, the same back injury that, that troubled him at the Australian Open against Karatsev. Um, yeah, just, yeah, horrible to see for one of the fittest guys on tour. He's always been such a... A fi- you know, for all his frailties, his body hasn't been won. So for his body to be failing him is, uh, is a tough one to see. So we wish you well, Grigor, um, and we'll see you on the grass. Um, which leaves me just to whiz you through tomorrow's order of play. Um, as I speak to you, Stefanos Sitzapas has taken a, a very close first set, 7-6, Uh, over Jeremy Shardy and its early stages of the second. So tomorrow, uh, it's the defending champion Igor Svantec opening things up against Kaya Yuvan or Chatrier. Then it's Bublik against Medvedev. I reckon that'll be at about 11.45 UK time. So cancel whatever you've got on for that. Who's winning that? Well, I think Bublik. And I know Daryl, our predictions competitor has listened to me yesterday saying Bublik would win and nicked that prediction Um, because he's gone for
3: Bublik I'm going Medvedev.
2: Okay. Uh, Then it's Istomin against Federer. Federer gets a not-before-time, which is very nice for him, isn't it? Uh, That's not before 4pm local, 3pm in the UK. And then in the first night session match on Shatray or the first official night session match. Yeah, it's actually about uh, the 18th. Yeah. (laughs) It's not even the first this week. Um Serena Williams takes on Arena Camellia Begu. On Longlin, first up it's Sinner against Herbert, then Siegmund against Garcia, then Kenin against Ostapenko, and then Songa against Nishioka. That's a heck of a schedule on Longlin. I I I reckon a couple of those matches could end up being crackers. Uh, Simone Simon Mathieu, the pick of the matches there's probably uh, Rude against Pear and then Muguruza against Kostiuk. Um, and there's plenty more elsewhere. Really, it's an even busier, fuller schedule of matches tomorrow. Lorenzo Musetti against David Goffin on court 14. To the last up on court 14. Bianca Andreescu playing out there. Query against Isner. That's first up. That could roadblock court 14 and create... Great night session over there as well. So brilliant order of play for match? tomorrow. It's been a cracking day one at the French Open. It's still going because because they've got floodlights and they're definitely, definitely having a night session. As I look at my screen, Jeremy Shardy is fist pumping and he looks like he's he's settled in for a big one. So that's been your day one French Open tennis podcast. We'll be back with another one tomorrow when our mascot... Will be as it is for the whole fortnight, Phoebe and Lucci. Lucci's no longer with us, but Phoebe is lovely, lovely corgis, big fan of corgis. Um, we will have our own mascots. I've got Zeus, Matt's got Scouse or Mousel, David's got Rogue. <laughs> we oh. we promise or we pledge we hope to do a better job for them tomorrow. Billie Jean's got Billie Jean King, she hasn't covered herself in glory today. Either. She rolled in horse poo and I've had to douse her in dry shampoo. Our executive producer is Chris Albert Lee. Read Simon's stuff, leave us an Apple podcast review, tell your friends, and join us again tomorrow for our day two French Open tennis podcast.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.